For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. stupid new varieties of animals. Crazy shit like you copy this striped giraffe thing discovered in 1901 in Central Africa. And the coelacanth, a six-foot fish found near South Africa in 1938. And this giant squid caught for the first time in May 2005. There are even some people who spend their lives looking for animals that are the stuff of legend and myth. Creatures like the skunk ape, Sasquatch, the Chupacabra, and the Great Western whatever the fuck this is. These people call what they do cryptozoology. Zoology meaning the study of animals, and crypto meaning shit we made up. We scoured the globe to see what cryptozoology is all about. In northern Scotland, we found two guys out for fun with a burlap sack full of fish guts. In Michigan, we unearthed a real scientist showing Martian cow pies. In this tiny studio apartment, we discovered a man fighting tiny dinosaurs. And then there's this, a website featuring this video clip, which is now spreading like herpes across the internet. Could this actually be Bigfoot? And does he have a cold sore? Cryptozoologists study these well-respected scientific journals. Hey, hey, Michael Jackson really exists, right? Right? But don't call cryptozoologists unqualified. Not any fool can hunt mythical beasts. You need a hat and lots and lots of free time. This is Scott Norman. He's the president of a group called Crypto Safari. He has a hat, free time, and a direction in life to find hidden animals. I got into cryptozoology about 10 years ago. There are probably a couple hundred to maybe a thousand or so people, I would guess, interested in cryptozoology worldwide. Wow, that's a lot of hats. So how do you find an animal that's hiding anyway? As a cryptozoologist, we start, you start usually with, with the stories, uh, with tales, with legends from the local people. You gotta separate the superstition from the facts. So you gotta be on the ground, you gotta be in the areas of where animals are at. Scott has visited countries all over the world, from Cameroon to Peru. He showed us these pictures. No crazy animals, just pictures of him. It seems the native population wanted to send him home with plenty of proof that he existed. I was in Peru a couple months ago in May, down there visiting friends or missionary, went down the Pongo de Monique to look for an unknown primate down there. Wow, that looks like a great way to catch hepatitis, maybe even an unknown strain. We couldn't find out anything about an unknown species of primate in the Pongo de Monique, but we did find where Scott bought his hat. Cryptozoology looked like enough fun, we decided to send our crew on their own monster hunting trip. We brought this bazooka because we're looking for the most famous hidden animal of all, the Loch Ness Monster. Hey, knock it off. This is science. We traveled to the tiny Scottish town of Drumdedrocket. That's a Scottish word meaning drunken dork. Drunken dork is right on the shores of beautiful Loch Ness. 
1933, a drunken dork couple told the local paper about a disturbance they saw in the water, three quarters of a mile away. They said they didn't really think it was a seal, so the reporter decided it was a monster. Then, in 1934, a gynecologist offered the London tabloids a photograph of a long-necked creature he said he saw at the lock. And, holy virgin monster of Jesus! There it is! There it is! Tell her! Tell her I found it! It's right in this, this parking lot! Right next to this Loch Ness gift shop! Oh, wait, it's, it's just a sculpture. Obviously, we're not experts, so we decided to hire two of the world's foremost cryptozoologists to lead our expedition. Hey, I said, knock it off. Richard Freeman, the bearded guy in the leather jacket, without the sunglasses, is the zoological director of the Center for Fortean Zoology, which calls itself the world's best mystery animal research group. Hey, I'm fucking impressed. Cryptozoology has such a great attraction because it's the cutting edge of zoology. Freeman has been on dozens of animal expeditions, has a degree in zoology, and an accent. I like these guys. There's something familiar about them. Back in the Victorian days, science was in its heyday, and it was all about going out there and finding things. Now, most scientists will just sit on their backsides in laboratories and lecture halls and comfy chairs, and from these ivory towers they will pronounce, that can't exist, that can't exist, that can't exist, because I would have known about it. Jonathan Downs, the bearded guy in the leather jacket with sunglasses, is the director of the Center for Fortean Zoology. Now I'm doubly fucking impressed. But don't discredit him just because our producer interviewed him in front of this cheesy Loch Ness exhibit. Well, I'm particularly proud to say that we are non-partisan, non-political, non-religious, and based on strict scientific guidelines. Oh, what a relief. Fordian zoology is strictly scientific. Now see, we were afraid he was using the dictionary definition of Fordian, which is relating to or denoting paranormal phenomena. I invented the science of Fortean zoology totally arbitrarily. Arbitrarily inventing a science? Wow. I guess that's one of the perks of being the best. What could be more interesting than discovering new species of animal? Wow! He's right! Nothing could be more interesting! Let's go find the Loch Ness Monster. First, Downs and Freeman had to pick up some finely calibrated scientific instruments. So what were the oh, ropes, nylon rope. Nylon rope? Right on. If we spot the monster, we'll do better than photographing it. We'll catch it, tie it up, dress it up like a schoolgirl. Well, I think we should get some just in case we can't get anything thicker. Better get two rolls in case it really doesn't want to put on a dress. What else do we need? Tell you what, love, have you got any um, fish heads or tails? Or fish off or... The English have such a way with words. Showtime would be pissed. They sent us to Scotland and we spent the money on fish guts. But lovely fish offal? So, have these guys ever caught a cryptic creature before? The worst question anybody can ask me is, have I ever caught a cryptic creature? Oh, there are lots worse questions than that. How about, how old did you think she was? I have held an unknown animal in my hand, but I didn't know it was unknown at the time, and I let the bloody thing go. He let it go? Well, it happens. 
I'm sure they'll have a great plan once they get to the lake. Something like sonar or a submarine. Fuck. Well, it's really not impossible for these guys to find new species. It's just not that sexy. There are about 9,000 known species of ants, and there are, by some estimates, over 10,000 ant species as yet undiscovered. If you head out of the jungle covered in honey, you'll find new species of ants. But you need to be able to recognize them as new, and that requires a serious amount of some very unsexy work. And the jungle isn't the only place to find new species. Go fishing. We know almost nothing about fish a thousand feet deep in the ocean. Get a submarine, a few lights and a camera, and you can name a fish after every one of your friends. Find any new uh, ant species there, Teller? Hey, hey, go careful. You're squishing the penis gelatinous. Here in the USA, we have our own favorite mystery animal getting cryptozoologists all hot and bothered. Its name? Bigfoot. According to legend, Bigfoot is a seven to nine foot tall, hairy ape-like creature that walks on two feet and sometimes works the school crossing guard. Most people will be surprised to know there are Bigfoot sightings in Texas, eastern Texas, Louisiana area, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. And northern California's wine country, which is where this lame footage was allegedly shot. In truth, we shot it. 20 minutes from our office in the San Fernando Valley. Man, we are lazy bastards. But even so, we made a tape so bad, it's believable. We wanted to see how far we could get without a focus footage and a free website. We guessed that a bullshit Bigfoot tape would lure in some bullshit experts. We wrote a backstory. Mark Nelson and his girlfriend were hiking in Sonoma County when they spotted the creature. Eight to nine feet tall, with reddish brown colored hair and dark eyes. Sounds like the girl who snatched my virginity. After our transparently bogus story and impossibly shitty video appeared on the website, Mark, that, that is we, received a flood of messages from big shot Bigfoot hunters who were dying to find out about his footage. Our plan was working. Here's a sample. Hey Mark, I'm the lady that contacted you. I'm the professional anthropologist. I just saw your footage, and it does look kind of odd, kind of interesting. In case you don't know, the Bigfoot field is filled with a lot of weirdos, crazies, nuts, and freaks. And the very, very few people who are film analysts or claim that they are have usually also never seen Bigfoot. I have. In order for, for science to accept the existence of Bigfoot or Sasquatch, we need real evidence. Richard Ellis, Research Associate, American Museum of Natural History. We don't need fuzzy photographs and we don't need plaster footprints. We need something brought to the table that looks as if, to scientists, as if this came from a real animal. In addition to looking suave in a turtleneck, Ellis is the author of several books about elusive animals, including Monsters of the Sea and the Search for the Giant Squid. The difference between the discovery of a giant, of a giant squid and looking for Bigfoot is that they found the giant squid and they never found Bigfoot and I don't think they're ever going to. Not so fast, Mr. Sciency. He'll come around once he sees our fantastic, blurry Bigfoot video. We're seeing a person in an ape suit there. This now looks to me like an absolute fraud because apes, when they walk, 
Certainly don't swing their arms like this ape is doing. That's a human being. Fuck! We told Sasquatch not to swing his arms. Nonsense. Actually, many well-known cryptozoology pictures have been frauds. Remember the gynecologist's famous photo? In 1993, the guy who built the model in the picture fessed up. He really did. He explained that we went to Woolworths, bought a toy submarine, and formed a long dinosaur-type neck around the conning tower using plastic wood. And then there was Ray L. Wallace's Bigfoot tracks. In 1958, Wallace carved 16-inch wooden feet and left footprints in the woods of Northern California. The story got picked up nationally, and the country went queer for Bigfoot. Years later, his nephew showed the world his uncle's fake Bigfoot feet. I'm sure my kids will give away all our tricks, too. <laughs> Fucking kids. And these days, with digital imaging, hoaxing the world has never been easier. I've been doing it for years. There is no Pendulette. Meanwhile, back in Loch Ness. Hey, hey, knock it off. There's no scary music in science. It was time to head out to the water with Captain John. Yeah, that's his name, no joke. In the off-season, Captain John is a male stripper. He goes by the name the Extra Longshoreman. Uh, that is a joke. Captain John helped Downs and Teller, I mean, I mean, Freeman, Downs and Freeman, board the good ship Deep Scan. Sounds a lot like it, Captain. And then they were ready to set sail and find the monster. Ugh. I think it smelled. <laughs> now I know why they call it awful. <laughs> Damn, I need one more icky fish joke. So, what's the plan, guys? We're just about ready with this bait sack here. Bait sack? We hate it when they use technical terms. Well, after this, as soon as secured, we're going to throw it overboard and unravel the, uh, the nylon line until it gets to the end, then the other end we're going to attach to the boy. A boy? Holy shit! These whack jobs are going to use a small child to lure... Oh, he meant a boy. We're not good at accents. If something grabs the bait, pulls, and the boy is pulled underwater, you'll know that there's something very big and strong in the lock. I mean, bigger and stronger than a salmon. That'll look good in the dress. But why would a giant monster bother with a small sack of fish off just what kind of long rant monster they think this is, anyway. What I think it is, is a giant eel. A giant eel? Is he? Look out! Great white seba! Oh no, it's just a swan. It makes sense that this monster is some sort of fish. And for my money, an immense eel is by far the best theory. If only this were live and not TV, we'd take your bet, numbnuts. All right. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Fine. They both said giant eel. But how does an eel get to be giant? There's something in the water which makes us slightly higher than average incidence of eel sterility. 
I have no idea how big a unit yield will grow. But it has been suggested it could reach in an length of something like 20 feet. Did he, did he freeze for a second? Rerun that. I have no idea how big a unit yield will grow. And he did. It has been. And he said, Unic eel. How did he find out my safe word? I'm starting to wonder if these guys are for real. Once in a while, an eel is born sterile. It doesn't have the, um, biological imperative to go into salt water to breed. It stays in fresh water, and a bit like me, does very little and eats a lot. So Downs and Freeman's theory is that the famous Loch Ness Monster is a ballless eel with an eating disorder. We knew those guys were bullshit. The surface area of Lake Michigan is 1,000 times that of Loch Ness. However, Lake Michigan's a little more productive than Loch Ness, and yet the largest fish ever taken out of this is a eight-foot-long sturgeon. How can Loch Ness have a 30-foot-long eel in it? This is Dr. Scott McNaught. He's a professor of lake biology at Central Michigan University. And he looks really fucking cool. Let's get inside and have a cup of tea. That's better. It's unrealistic to expect to find an eel that is 30 feet long, when normal eels grow at most to three or four feet. It would be like a human that reaches maybe six feet high, all of a sudden becoming 60 feet high. Hey, what about Downs and Freeman's theory that sterile eels will eat a lot and grow to be giants? Yeah, there is a link between sterility and size. However, this growth will probably be in girth, not length. So the eel that can't get a chubby gets chubby. But suppose by some miracle an eel did grow to be 20 feet long. Would there even be enough food for it to eat in Loch Ness? Dr. McNaught broke out the green Play-Doh to explain this one. Showtime's desperate for us to be kid-friendly. So if you could filter out all the life in Loch Ness, you would come up with a mass of plankton that would be represented by this large green mass of clay. And you'd have a much smaller mass of forage fish and a smaller mass yet of monster. This mass of top predator would be divided among salmon and char and trout and maybe a little leftover for a monster, which all of a sudden doesn't look too much like a monster anymore. We get the idea and love the effort. There's not enough food in the lake to feed a large monster. And here's seven more reasons there can't be a Loch Ness monster. One, if there are only one I heard this bit because Pennington addressed as Richard and John. I think they're trying to be do the job of being a lookout, uh, lookalikes to open supermarkets and such like. Six, 
No monster has ever been found in other similar lakes around the world. Seven, there's no fucking such a fucking thing as a fucking monster, you fucking asshole. But once you've acquired a taste for monsters, well, ask our friend Scott Norman. Well, for me, my main interest in cryptozoology is, is Mokalian Bimbi, which you believe to be a living dinosaur. A living dinosaur. Okay, don't panic, smile, look at all his toys and photos, we'll get out of here alive. Scott decided there's a living dinosaur after traveling to Southern Cameroon and speaking to the local backup pygmies. This group is apparently the backup pygmy basketball team. The natives there say that the animal can flock the width of a river. They pointed to trees that were 50, 60 feet high and say they could eat the top of the trees. Now what animal could do that? Hey bro, the locals are fucking with you! Locals always fuck with you! As humans, we're curious, and we want explanations. I'm Gail Kennedy, I'm a professor of anthropology at UCLA. Now this lady talks slowly and deliberately. She's a professor. She also needs a drink of water, which she never asked us for because she's really polite, and we're assholes. We have almost a drive to explain things. And so someone sees something unexpected. Uh, they try to give it a face and a form that they can relate to. Certain faces and forms are so common in different cultures, they may even be hardwired into our brains. And it's certainly hardwired into our brains to make shit up. See that skeleton? I'm sure everybody thinks she killed, skinned, and ate a leprechaun. Dragons, for example, uh, exist in Asian art long before Marco Polo ever established trade routes uh, with the Far East. And even though Asian and European artists were separated by thousands of miles and hundreds of years, they both painted dragons. But not because dragons exist. It just seems as if we're just not that creative a species. If you want variety and strangeness, don't look at myths. Look at nature. The real shit is so much weirder. This is a platypus. When scientists first saw a dead platypus, they thought for sure it was a hoax. They thought some asshole had sewn together several animals to make this crazy thing. Compare that with our lame Bigfoot video. This is all rubbish. Richard Ellis is right, it's complete bullshit. Remember, we rented a Bigfoot costume, found a six foot seven inch guy to wear it, drove 20 minutes from our office and knocked this video out in no time. That's all it took. And it was still enough to convince this prominent Bigfoot expert, that's not actually him, we can't identify him because our lawyer is a brick. But we'll call him asshole number one. Asshole number one sent our imaginary crypto pal Mark Nelson an email that said, let's meet up sometime. We need to get this thing going ASAP. And it's no wonder asshole number one is so anxious to meet with Mark. He's got big plans for the footage. Here's what he told Mark. Uh, I, we mean us. I've got that radio show that I talked about. They want to know if you want to get on there because they're ready to put you on there. And also the Chronicle, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle, which will be a good, absolutely great AP outlet. But asshole number one isn't the only person interested in Mark's footage. There was this guy. We'll call him Asshole A. You were thinking we'd call him Asshole Number Two, but we don't want him to think he's less of an asshole than Asshole One. It's a self-esteem issue. They're equally assholey. People see animals out there that they call Bigfoot, and these things are probably a species of ape that was thought to be extinct. Mark Nelson's footage is—we uh, think it's one of these things. Asshole A 
is also a Bigfoot expert with his own Bigfoot website. If we really highlight it and put your footage on the website, then you get like, uh, you know, 50 TV people that would want to talk to you about it. It's no wonder asshole A wants to get the footage out there. The market for Bigfoot images is huge, and he wants in. Listen to how much money this greedy opportunist, we mean asshole A, told Crypto Mark he could get for him. Here's the rate. It's 5000 for just the footage, and it's 6000 for you to do an interview. Fuck! We've never gotten six grand for an interview. This guy should be our agent. So with just a cartoon costume, 20 minutes of work, a handy cam, and a free website, we got two self-proclaimed Bigfoot experts to believe our bullshit footage. One of them set up interviews for us on radio and in print. The other one spread our footage on the internet, got us listed in Google, and called some TV producers to shop an interview with Mark for big bucks. Un-fucking-believable. But it's not just Bigfoot who brings in cash. At Loch Ness, there are bus tours and boat tours. There's also the Loch Ness 2000 Exhibition Center, which features a hotel and a gift shop where you can buy a Nessie hat. And you know hats in cryptozoology. It's a very pretty lake, but I'm sure it wouldn't get one hundredth of the tourists here if there wasn't supposed to be a monster living in it. And it's, uh, it's nice, really, that they have exhibitions about the monster. It, that, that's really sweet. Fame is what so many people are interested in, and I'm not altogether convinced that a lot of these people looking for the Loch Ness Monster or any of these cryptozoological creatures are not looking for television exposure and big, con big book contracts. Actually, you can buy lots of books by both Downs and Freeman on their website, along with mugs, hats, badges, baby bibs, doggy t-shirts, and a pair of thong panties with Richard Freeman's face on them. Really? In fact, I'm wearing a pair right now. Back on Loch Ness. Oh, so that's what the graphics guys were setting up. Sorry I yelled at you before. Somehow, Downs and Freeman's burlap sack full of fish heads had failed to lure the non-existent monster. But they take it in stride. The most important part of cryptozoology is taking failure in stride. To the people who say that it's just a myth, that there's nothing in Loch Ness and there never has been, well, I'd say go and talk to the witnesses, tell them that. Great idea. Let's ask Captain John. He's been taking this boat out of the lake since before electricity. You were ever seen anything out here yourself? Nothing. Nothing I couldn't explain. I've been out here for 18 years now. Oops. All of those thousands of people that have seen creatures in Loch Ness, can every single one of those people be lying, the victim of a hoax, or mistaking natural phenomena? Anybody who claims that there are sea serpents, or giant flying reptiles, or giant things living under the ocean that swallow ships, it is, it is up to them to prove that they do exist. As the sun began to set, Downs and Freeman were ready to pack it in. But they were not ready to admit complete defeat. This place is just so beautiful. You know what, I don't care if we don't catch it. It's just a privilege to be able to be in such a fantastic place for an afternoon. You heard it here. Cryptozoology. It's a great excuse to put on a hat, a leather jacket, and get some fresh air. It's stupid, but it's better than quail hunting. And of course, this is the closest you'll ever come 
to seeing any kind of monster. If they find any evidence of one of these creatures, wonderful. Bring it on. Now let us see it. Give her a glass of water. Science has certain rules for its practice, and one of them involves evidence or replicatable results. It doesn't depend on some guy thinking up something that might happen and then imagining that he actually saw it happen and then claiming that this is real science, because it isn't. No need to yearn for giant monkeys or boneless eels. You can search your whole life and never see a fraction of a percentage of the amazing creatures that are already on the books. How much do you know about the animals in your, in your own state or even your own neighborhood? Nature is so much scarier and more beautiful than any monster a human being can imagine. No need to invent the wild and improbable. We're waist deep in it. There you go, Dollar. We got naked people in our monster show. Year four, and we are getting good. You've been listening to the episode Cryptozoology from Pen and Teller Bullshit Season 4, Episode 4, in which featured Richard Freeman and John Downs of CSS fame. I liked this episode mainly because I think, as I said before, Pen and Teller are going to be in the future a lookalike for John and Richard when they can't attend various events. It's very kind of them. As for what some of the comments they said, they're entitled to what they believe. And I think John and Richard were actually playing along a little bit. I especially like the bit about the string and the offal and throwing it over the boat. And the Captain Burzoi love child saying he'd never seen a lot of this monster in his life. How would I rate this episode? It's worth a watch. Just a, a See Richard and John doing what they do best. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. So this is from CFZ on track. Hold the extra week from your presenter, Mark Anthony Reigns. Thank you for listening. Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.